0: You have to be able to cater to them in a way that they're going to understand. And I think the time to do that is when they're young, as opposed to waiting until they're like six or seven years old when we think like, oh, you know, now they're old enough to understand. Well, no, I think then it's a little too late. I think the time is really from the time that they're born to start introducing all of these aspects of their their culture and their roots to them from a young age.
1: Welcome to That's So Hindu, the podcast brought to you by the Hindu American Foundation. I'm Matt McDermott. In this episode, Sheetal Shah has a conversation with the founder of Mango and Marigold Press, Sila Joshi, and the founder of Modi Toys, Avni Modi Sarkar, about what led each of them to start companies making books and toys aimed at Hindu and Indian Americans.
0: Hope you enjoy it.
2: such a pleasure to have both of you on our podcast, That's So Hindu. All right. We go way back. I have a couple of your books that my four-year-old very much enjoys. Our current favorite is Hanuman Moves a Mountain. And your very awesome sister, Srivani, used to work for HAF. I think that was like Back in 2014 or 2015, if I'm not mistaken, was that around the time or shortly thereafter, Heart Babies published one of its first books?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 2015, like I had been thinking and marinating about the idea in 2014 um, and finally decided to do something about it in 2015 right as I was having my second child, because who, like, I was like, yeah, I can, I can have two children under the age of three and run a company. That will be, that's totally feasible and fine and makes complete sense. Um, so yes, yeah, so, my um, Sri was with you guys at the time. And fun fact, I sent you, a, I sent her along your job query. It was like some, I saw it online. I was like, oh, Sri, you should really apply to this. I bet you'd be really good at it. That's awesome. Well, we so we miss her, that's for sure. So let's
2: kind of start off with with that time period, that 2014-2015 time period. Can you just talk me through why did you start Heart Babies? What was the impetus
1: for it? Yeah, so um, my... Oldest, my daughter Ojo. Um, Ojo the. I was pregnant with her in 2013, and I was having this library-themed baby shower, as you do in the age of Pinterest. And I was searching for books to put on my registry. And I have a background in sociology, um, intersectional feminism, and I did a lot of Hindu interfaith work um, in my 20s. And so I was looking for books that sort of reflected that part of me. I wanted books that reflected my culture, history, and heritage. I wanted books that would show my daughter's face. And frankly, I was really frustrated with what I found. There were books out there, but some of them were developmentally inappropriate. Some of them were culturally inaccurate. Some of them were culturally insensitive this is right before the We Need Diverse Books movement hit. And as I'm sort of becoming a young mother, I'm realizing that it's not just me who doesn't have representation. So as I was like lamenting this all to a colleague in my PhD program at the time, she like turns to me in the car and she's like, why don't you do something about it? Those were the fateful words um I left my PhD program. I took a thousand dollars of startup capital, and with that, started Barf Babies, now known as Mango and Marigold Press. Um, we will be six years old this November, and over the course of the past six years, we've produced fourteen books across five different product categories, and won awards, been featured, you know, in multiple magazines, news outlets, all with the vision and mission to sort of bridge both the diversity and accessibility gap in children's literature, one story at a time. Um, Avni, I am not as familiar
2: with Modi toys, but a number of folks at HAF with small children rave about your products. And I know that the Ganesh toy is your signature, but I have to tell you, I love your baby shower greeting card, the one with the pregnant lady on one side and Ganesh on the other, and the text that says who's the roundest of them all. So, tell me the story behind Moli toys, the founding of it. Why did you start it?
0: Yeah, so um, my brother and I, we actually became parents, uh, first time parents exactly a week apart, um, three years ago, right around this time. I had my daughter um and he had his daughter exactly a week after me and and you know, going through such a big life milestone like that, it you know really changes you. and um even though my brother and I we are. Um, Definitely not just a week apart, we have quite a few years of age gap between us. Um, I think becoming parents together suddenly made us realize like how much more we have in common because growing up, you know, he was always sort of like a second dad to me. Um, And when we brought our daughters into our lives, it, all of a sudden we started asking these questions to, to, to ourselves that had never really crossed our minds before. And I should also mention that we have one more older brother um, and he already has kids who are like, you know, almost teenagers now. And even though we, you know, obviously had kids in our lives um, as, as part of our family, it's different when you're an aunt or an uncle versus when you are parents yourself, right? And when we became parents, the the thought that kind of crossed started crossing our mind is like, you know, how are we going to pass our the appreciation that we have for our Indian up- upbringing and our Indian roots to our kids? And you know, I, I articulate that now this way during this interview, but obviously that's not how it really came forth when we were you know, sort of like chatting. Um, it really came about because we realized that you know, growing up obviously we ate Gujarati food, we watched Gujarati T V shows on all the time. We watched Bollywood movies. We spoke Gujarati at home. we were very much like surrounded by our, by our Indian culture, you know, day in and day out. But now after having lived in America for over 25 years. Um, and, you know, I actually married someone who's not Gujarati and my brother did marry someone Gujarati, but we we still pretty much speak English at home for the most part. And we don't have Gujarati food all the time. And we definitely don't watch Indian soap opera present TV anymore. So, so much has changed in a single generation. And we were afraid that we were going to lose even more um, in passing, in raising our children. Like, you know, if we've already lost so much of our culture in in growing up for the past 25 years, like, what are we going to pass down to our kids? That's sort of what was going on in our minds um, during that time when we became parents. And I think it really just kind of came down to like, well, what are we going to do about it? Like, you know, what can we do to kind of spark curiosity in our kids about their culture? We know that it's impossible to kind of bottle up all of this. Into a single product or or even a single company, but we knew we had to start somewhere. And when we looked around um, our kids, you know, nurseries at the time, we realized, you know, what is it filled with? It's filled with toys and books, right? I mean, that's really all you can really offer them at that time. So we thought, well, why not, you know, try to incorporate our culture into things that kids already have? So why not create a modified version of what kids already know and love and what parents already want to give to their children? That's how the idea for our our baby Ganesh came first came about because um, my brother was like, well, you know, there must be something like this out there. And when we you know, did an exhaustive search. We really came back empty handed in terms of what we had envisioned for this product to look like. Can you just talk a little bit about exactly what your product is? Like how is
2: your baby Ganesh different from kind of the other ones? I mean, now there are, you know, I think um, just like both of you have have felt like this space was very empty and both of you stepped in to fill a niche. I think many parents have started to feel that way. And we're starting to see more of these types of things, more books, more, um, you know, um, stuffed animals or games or flashcards, um, things that are targeted towards Indian Hindu children. Uh, So what is, can you talk to me just a little bit about the Ganesh? Because I don't have it, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And and I think it's really geared more towards people who are either new parents or have little ones at home. Although I've been very surprised to see even like people who have older kids or even like those are graduating like college or high school. Like I've been really uh, honestly surprised in a very good way at the response we received because we thought that, you know, initially when we were launching, we thought that our, our market was very limited to those who have kids under the age of four. And over the past year and a half, we realized that we were really, really wrong and in a good way because we've seen people gifted to their grandparents. It really runs the gamut. And I'm I'm really humble, I have to say, that people think of baby Ganesh and baby Hanuman in such light. Um, so to answer your question, what Baby Ganesh um, and what our products really are, is, is that um, they are plush toys. But what makes them really special and unique is the fact that they sing mantras when you squeeze their belly. So our first product was the Baby Ganesh. Um, and when you squeeze its belly, it sings three different Ganesh mantras. And similarly, our Baby Hanuman, it sings five different Hanuman mantras. The reason why there's difference in the mantras is, is mainly because we keep evolving as we grow. So we first launched with Baby Ganesh um, in late 2018. And then we launched Baby Hanuman last year, but actually almost exactly a year after we launched Baby Ganesh. So, you know, we learned a lot of things during that time span. So when we do our next product launch, we'll hopefully be able to incorporate even more mantras. And are you allowed to share what that next like product launch is going to be which uh deity yeah you know what i think i can um i don't think it'll come as a huge shock to anyone but it's baby krishna oh um, yeah <laughs> and and I, it's one that people have been really really looking forward to actually i know people are really looking forward to looking forward to us coming out with a goddess plush and we're definitely working on that but um we're definitely much further along with the baby krishna for now
2: Fantastic. And what about you, uh, Shailaja? What's what's the next book? What direction are you heading?
1: Yeah, I think for us, um, when we started, we had this real hyper focus. It was focused on a lot of different stories of Hinduism, and there are always sort of um, benchmark with showcasing families. I think a big piece for us, and one of the big gripes and challenges I had with what was out there is quite frequently children of color were depicted as animals. You know, it's very different to be telling a story of Hanuman and Ganesh versus like having a child depicted as a monkey or as a rabbit, um, especially in a space where there already wasn't enough visibility. And so we work really hard throughout each one of our stories to showcase families. So what's coming up for us is we have um, sort of increased our product categories in the lines. So we have our first middle grade book coming out next year, which is really exciting. Um, We've also started to branch out in types of the types of stories and communities who we look to represent in sharing those stories. So more picture books coming out. One of our most recent books that came out this past year is called Finding Olm. And so that came out this past May, which I guess was just last month. Um, and so um, it had, we had a soft launch this past May and a further launch, which is coming um, in July. And Finding Om is the story of a, a, um, by like a multiracial family that is sharing this joy and story of Om and finding that mantra. And it's rooted in Rushmi, our author's own journey with her children, and being a, not only a multiracial family, but also in her, her daughter's finding the mantra home um, alongside their grandfather. And so that has been some of the exciting work that we're putting out there, really trying to um, pluralize the narrative around who is Hindu, what does Hinduism look like, and who it can have accessibility to. And what it's same with the idea of what is Indian um, or what is South Asian. And you said you are venturing up into kind of
2: the middle school ra- realm. Have you uh what challenges have you found going from kind of this this age that caters to you know your daughter or my son where they're four, five, six years old and kind of jumping now
1: to kids who are, you know,
2: 12 years old?
1: Yeah, um I think it's like figuring out the subject matter. That's um certainly a piece. Um that and luckily the authors get to figure that out. Um, and I just get to read their scripts and uh, decide whether or not I want to publish them or not. So sometimes I feel like that's the easiest job. Um, it's, it's a different set of marketing. It's a different set of tools. It's a different it's it, It's just, it's all different. And what I am lucky about is now as my daughter is she you know she's will be seven in July and so she's starting to reach the age of this book you know she's not quite an independent reader but now when it comes to story time she wants to like she can sit and listen through an entire chapter of a book if I'm reading it to her and so it's starting to get to that stage where I'm really excited to watch my children grow with the company. At the same time, my son is, my son's four, like four, he'll be five this month. Very important to note because he'll get very mad if I don't. And he is yearning still for his books. Um, and he always is, he's really excited. We have a story coming out about Jagdish Boz, um, which is really exciting. And he's like, Oh yeah, that's me in the book. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I think I feel very grateful and humble that I get to do the work I do um, and that I get to be part of this process.
2: Yeah, I feel like a lot of the books that I, I have from Hearth babies, that kind of main child character that's directing the story is Harini.
1: And I feel like perhaps maybe she's based off of Ojo a little bit. <laughs> She is. Um, our illustrator, Tim Palin, um, he, he totally did. He totally based it off of her. And yes, my son is like, so I'm going to have a series of stories too, right? And I'm like, yes, but probably not until 2023. One of the things I, I always note whenever
2: I'm reading one of your stories to my son Mia and particularly Hanuman and the Orange Sun, is that when Harini runs up to her mother, it's fantastic that you point out that her mother is in her office working. I like that that point of, of showing that moms are, you know, working too. It's not just the traditional, just the, you know, at home mom. I, I always appreciate that point
1: because it's very relevant to our life. <laughs> It's a very active choice. That, that, that's a very, that was a very conscious art direction, active choice. So we um, like to disrupt the, um, dominant narrative in those um, subtle ways or maybe less, not so subtle ways. I don't know. Now, Avni, I
2: noticed that you also have a couple of board books and are you also planning on expanding those out um, to kind of as your turn. do you have one child or two ch- two kids
0: yeah so uh, I have two kids um, so my, my daughter was we launched well the idea for Moly Toys was born when my first daughter was born and I just um, had another daughter three months ago um, so you know, Planning on expanding our books collection as well, but the way that we launch our books is really they're meant to be paired with our toys. So you'll notice um, that we have a you know we try to sell them as collections, as bundled packages, or or rather gift sets, rather (laughs) that sounds better, I suppose, than bundled packages. But um, it's really meant to really be paired together. So when we first launched Baby Ganesh, I'll tell the story behind it. I was on a bunch of uh, Facebook mommy groups just. Absolutely, you know everyone's input because I I've never done anything like this. Neither has my brother. So I said to him, you know, before we put all of our time and money into this, like let me get some some feedback. Let me go do some market research. And as I was gathering input from everyone, a couple of moms actually suggested to me that, hey, you know, if there was actually a book to go along with this toy, this might make it a little bit more meaningful, and it wouldn't be just another plush toy. And I really took that to heart because, you know, the last thing I wanted was this to just kind of add to their, the pile of toys that kids end up collecting and then never playing with, basically. So, um, I had never written a book before, um, let alone like a rhyming book for that matter. So, um, I basically, you know, do what all entrepreneurs do. Like I rolled up my sleeves and I, I put pen to paper and I started writing. And I should add that I myself like don't even know those stories that I write about. I have to go and research them myself, um, and kind of learn the ins and out of what it is that what what the story is that I want to share, and and then I go and write about it. So when we first launched the baby Ganesh um, plush toy, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a toy alone, but we also had a book to go alongside with it. That's how that came about. And then when we were launching Baby Hanuman, I think a lot of people already had expectation, like, oh you know, what's the book going to be about? So we kind of just kind of followed our own formula and decided to uh, make it a similar paired um, collection. So that's going to kind of be, I think, our theme moving forward, that every time we launch a toy, there'll be a book to go along with it. And I think I I like it that way too, because it, it, again, makes it a very giftable item, but also makes it very tangible when, you know, parents sit down with the child um, like the way I've always kind of envisioned it is, you know, the parents holding the book and the child holding the toy. And they kind of, it brings a character to life for them because the character in the book obviously is based off of the, the toy itself. So they look exactly alike. Makes sense. That that makes a lot of sense. And I'm just curious, who sings the mantras um, for your toys? That's a great question. Um, So we actually Hired children artists in India um, to record the the mantras for. So the mantras obviously themselves are not original, but all of the audio that you hear is all original.
1: Oh,
2: that's amazing! And is it like a particular group? Or like, are they are they kids within like Gujarat? Just given your background, or is it? Are you going around? How how did you how did you come across that?
0: Um, well, no, we we worked with uh, like a recording studio in India in in Bombay specifically, um, and. We just wanted to. We just wanted to um, give the toy a, a very childlike feel to it, and we've got you know some mixed reviews. I think on some people love the singing, some people not so much. Um, and I think that's going to probably continue to evolve with each toy. But we just wanted to make sure that it was children, Indian children, because we want to make sure that they got all the pronunciations correct. So that was really important for us.
2: So I know that you know over the course of time, you guys have published stories from a number of different faith traditions. What's been the reception that your audience has,
1: has given you? Our reception has, it's been wonderful and accepting. Um, when we conceived of the idea, um, it was very intentionally meant to be pluralistic and showing, sort of showcasing all of the faiths that call India home. But that was like our very original Mission, and so like our first book that came out was Hanuman and the Orange Sun, but right after that was Amal's Eid, you know, and that that was done very purposely and with intention. Our book, Let's Celebrate Diwali, is very purposely multi faith, and I think still to this day is the only book I, I, children's book I've seen on the market that showcases that Diwali is celebrated by multiple faiths and like every season when Diwali comes around and somebody shares that like the Hindu holiday I'm always like the troll on Instagram that's like actually yeah. Diwali is celebrated by multiple different faiths <laughs> like, like I, I'm always this person who's just like no it's not true it's like because I think to me that is actually like the deepest and most beautiful thing about Diwali is the how it's celebrated by so many different religious faiths and it's so central, we've been really lucky that our stories have been incredibly well received. One of the things that we immediately got nervous about, both my sister and I, was we grew up as Hindus and our family's logo, specifically from Hyderabad. And Hyderabad is a really wonderful city, has a rich tradition of many different faiths being a part of it and living alongside. So growing up my mom would tell us stories of Ramadan, of um, Jains, of Sikhism and uh, of Christianity and like Hyderabad specifically has a strong Hindu and Muslim population. It felt very natural for us to want to share those stories but to make sure we didn't share them in an authentic way. So as the scripts for Amal's Eve and Amals Ramadan were being created and shared, we reached out to members of the Muslim community, and got their feedback and interpretations. There are actually many versions of those scripts like of those stories that just got canned and trashed because, because they were inauthentic. They didn't represent the, the community that we wanted to represent and we very we learned to shift and pivot from that. and I'm glad we did. I think now as we continue to tell more and more stories, we really, value using own voice authors. So authors who are representative of that community or feel they represent that community. And if and when we aren't, we're always using sensitivity readers, readers, beta readers, and being very careful in our language of how we call ourselves. You know, I use the term South Asian because that's what we represent, you know, the South Asian experience. Um, because we want to be as inclusive and multiple as possible uh, with the stories and communities we share. Have you done any stories uh, on uh, Sikhs or Jains? Yeah, so that's a great question, and I think you'll you'll see that the stories of Sikhs and Jains. Um, one in our "Let's Celebrate the Valley" story, and then also a little bit in our in our book um, "Supersatya Saves the Day." Um, it's very subtle. Like um, in that story, like Satya, um, much like the real life, Satya is multi is faith. She's a Sikh. Well, she's a Sikh girl who lives in a home with a Sikh father and a Hindu mom. We look for those stories. We're waiting for those not just waiting. We're encouraging and excited to see those stories come Across our path. and so if you're an aspiring children's with other author out there, please reach out to us. We we'd love to read your story. Well, I want to be respectful
2: of time because I know it is a little late. I just want to ask both of you this last question. Um, Avni, why don't why don't you kind of take it? I know that you, Moldy Poise is is relatively young, and you're still coming out with uh, you know the third. Of what I'm sure is going to be a long line of fantastic uh, plush toys, but what do you see in five years or ten years for Moly Toys? What are you kind of hoping this will become, and what sort of you know what sort of
0: impact are you hoping it will have on this younger generation? You know, that's funny you ask because I was just thinking this other day that we are part of this really unique generation, like our parents all integrated here. And most of us were either born in India or born here, but we can all say that our children were definitely born here. And, you know, all of us have retained, I would say, 50% at least of whatever our parents have have tried to pass on to us in terms of, you know, their culture. And how much of that are we going to be able to pass on to our kids? And that's the point that always sticks out to me in my mind, that if I'm, let's say, not even able to you know, teach my daughter to speak Gujarati, which is my mother tongue, because my husband is Bengali. So at home, our common language that we speak is, is English. And right now, my daughter doesn't understand Gujarati or Bengali, for that matter. And it bothers me. And, and this is the stuff that kind of, you know, it, it kind of is a little saddening when I think about it, because if she doesn't learn to speak Gujarati or Bengali fluently, what is she going to pass on to her kids? I feel like we are at that inflection point where our generation we have a really important job to to make sure that we try to pass on as much as we can for our kids because growing up our parents didn't really have that as a, as a problem right like it became very natural to them to just speak Gujarati at home or whatever their mother tongue may be and to you know eat traditional. Indian food at home all the time. like That was just the way of life. And way of life has completely changed in a single generation, if you think about it. Like my, my daughter lives off of pasta, basically, like, you know, roti and rice and thal. That's not the norm for her. And I hope that, you know, by the time that she's a mom, a young mom like me, that she is just as invested in trying to pass on her Indian roots and, and introducing her kids to her culture. And I think to do that, you need to have more of these types of products, be it books and toys, whatever it is, like TV shows that are going to reach out to kids and and speak to them in their language, right? And meaning that you have to be able to cater to them in a way that they're going to understand. And I think the time to do that is when they're young, as opposed to waiting until they're like six or seven years old when we think like, oh, you know, now they're old enough to understand. Well, no, I think then it's a little too late. I think the time is really from the time that they're born to start introducing all of these aspects of their of their culture and their roots to them from a young age. So I am I hope what we're building is really a, a legacy, right? I, I hope that, you know, long after my brother and I are gone, that our company continues to live on because the mission behind it continues to live on. Like, I hope that... Kids of this generation, they see how valuable it is, like to to not lose what their parents and their grandparents um, tried so hard to retain. Because yes, although we left India um, in pursuit of you know better opportunities, I don't think India ever really left us. So I've always believed that it doesn't matter where you live; it's about what lives inside of you. And I hope that India never really stops living inside of. Of children of future generations.
2: I, you know, I'm also Gujarati and I am not married to a Gujarati. I'm married to a Cindy. So I share your frustration in that I cannot, it's very difficult to teach my son Gujarati. I attempted it for a very short period of time where I would just like speak to him in Gujarati and then I would translate in English or vice versa. But when the other person who's living in your household doesn't speak that language, it becomes incredibly challenging. And I've also found that you know, there's certain things that, and this is not just specific to Gujarati, but every language, there's certain things that you can communicate only in that language. You can translate it to English, but the sentiment isn't translated along with it. And I find that a real struggle. What about you? Where is, you know, Mango Marigold Press going to be in
1: in five or ten years? What are you hoping for? I think for us, our vision and mission is to continue to bridge both the diversity gap and the accessibility gap that exists in children's literature um, to unabashedly take up space on the bookshelf to make room for our stories, whether they be stories that are, um, I was just telling an author, I look for the stories that are both the magnificent and the mundane. It can be stories of beauty and excellence, of stories of celebration, to stories of achievement, to stories of just a little girl going to school. I think, um, you know, we are here and we are a part of this country and have been for decades, whether the history here in the U.S. wants to recognize it or not. And so I look forward to helping to raise a generation that unabashedly sees that and has the materials in which to explore that. And so I hope we continue to be a part of that conversation, to uplift those voices um, and to continue to do it like one story at a time. That's it for this episode of That's So Hindu. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's how you can help the show get discovered by more listeners. You can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at www.indoamerican.org/donate. Thanks again for listening.